We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Did you finish Did you that? that? We're, about one half, we're about halfway there. We're just saying that he's off to a nice start. Why does it have to be all or nothing all the time? Like, what am I doing? I'm doing it for the show. Field of 68 till I die. This is the Field of 68 After Dark Show, the only place that you need to be for college hoops every single night. Dark, and tonight is a very special episode, ladies and gentlemen. We are live on Sirius XM Channel 84. We are brought to you by Bet Rivers. My name is Greg Waddell. I got a couple Gators with me tonight. We got Patrick Young. We got Let's Matt go. McCall himself. Uh, and this is going to be a fun one, ladies and gentlemen. We are getting into the swing of things in the college basketball season, and there's no place that we would rather be than right here on the Field of 68 After Dark to break it all down for you. As always, you can also watch this on our YouTube channel, Field of 68. Go ahead and jump in the comments if you're over there. We will be doing the afters. For the first time this season, we'll stick around about 15 minutes after the show, just live on the YouTube channel. We'll answer your questions and we'll have a little fun. We'll do our cheers of the night to end the show as well. Uh, but since this is such a special night, guys, Matt, I got to throw it your way first. I mean, you tweeted out this afternoon how how important, how special this moment is for you and PY to be reunited on the show. Oh, man, that was we had such a good time. There's so many memories. What Patrick did at the University of Florida, we talked about it earlier, too. Maybe the greatest play in Thompson Bowling Arena. I know a lot of Tennessee fans are not happy about that, but the hustle play when Pat dove down the ball to save the ball, 21-0 and in the SEC in 2014. First do it. 21-0. And a lot to do with the big fella, Patrick Young. And it's great to see you, Pat. It's great to be with man. you tonight, man. It's great to see you as well. I just remember uh, you and I, we had a, a scripture that we you would remind me of at times because I needed I needed to hear it, uh, that uh, God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. And uh, grateful for you to, to keep that verse when I, I needed it at times because, you know, young kids just trying to go out there and perform with the weight of the world on the shoulders, wanting to win and uh, finally figure things out that senior year. And uh, the rest is history, man. We I still I still get a little salty over Kentucky making it to the championship game that year. <laughs> After we beat Kentucky three times, three we times. kicked their butts, beat them three, three times. times a year, and they make it to the championship game against UConn. So uh, I don't hate UConn, even though they knocked us out. Uh, they got it done. They got the job done. They got if, it done. I, I would have caught a case 
if if <laughs> if someone if Kentucky wanted, I would have for sure. Greg, I got to tell this story. I was an assistant coach at FAU. It was my first year being an assistant coach, and I was on the road recruiting. And Coach Donovan hired me back three years after that. But I'll never forget. I was in a, a a tournament down in Miami, sitting next to Coach Donovan, watching Patrick Young play for the Lee Bulls <laughs> in a back gym down in Miami at Team Breakdowns event. And I'm you were there like, for that. I was there for that. And I'm like, man, maybe we should recruit this guy at FAU. And Coach Donovan kind of looks at me sideways. And Patrick was their number one recruit. That's how young of an assistant coach I was. <laughs> I thought I could actually recruit Patrick Young to come to Florida Atlantic <laughs> University. <laughs> But, uh, oh man, man, we had some great times. Great times. Hey, and that 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 breakdown squad had Kenny Boyton, Kenny had, Boyton, uh, Bra- Brandon Knight, Brandon uh, Knight, Keith Clam, uh, Ray Raymond Taylor, maybe the greatest either way, Vargas. He's a, he's a, he's a champion on that Kentucky team for 2012. There you go. There Crazy, you go. Listen, Matt. Matt, all I'm hearing is that your eye for talent was just great. At a young it was age. phenomenal. That's all I'm it was hearing. Phenomenal right. at, at, at 24 years old. My eye for talent was phenomenal. Impressive <laughs> stuff. Well, I can promise our listeners this: the team chemistry tonight from the panel is going to be off the charts. So stick around with us. Uh, we're going to hit a lot of stuff tonight. We're going to start in the Big Ten tonight where there were some some important games. Purdue steals a huge road win against Michigan State. Uh, there were other results around the country, particularly in the ACC and the Big East that we will jump to as well in the second block. Then we're going to go big picture. We're going to talk if we're buying or selling certain teams that had some surprise results over the weekend. There were certainly many of them. Uh, And then to end the show, we will preview all of the action in the Big 12 that will take place tomorrow. But like I mentioned, let's start in East Lansing. I'm wearing the Spartan Dog shirt. I am a Michigan State graduate, so this is already a home game for me. One thing I'm not familiar with in Michigan State and East Lansing, though, losing home games. That doesn't happen too much, especially – a guy scoring 32 points in a road Man. win at the Breslin Center. That has never happened until today when Zach Eady did just that. 32 points, 17 rebounds. Fletcher Lawyer, Foster Lawyer, former Spartans brother, was phenomenal tonight. Uh, and Tyson Walker, in his own right, 30 points from him. A ton of them in the second half. This was not your typical Big Ten grind of a game in the final four minutes of this, this was haymaker after haymaker. Ultimately, Purdue gets the win, and now they get some separation at the top of that conference. So, Pat, let's go to you first. Um, I mean, does this result shock you? It shouldn't, I don't think, because I think Purdue feels like the best team in the conference, right? Well, well, the first thing I, I have to say to address, uh, the last 49 seconds of the game took forever. <laughs> goodness gracious can we can we figure out a way to speed things up like I I was about to fall asleep on the couch and I'm like I gotta stay locked in uh to see what happens here but um you know throughout this season so far uh some marquee bigs that have had had some great games against Michigan State a team that is very very tough uh but if you're a big guy you know I'd I'd be chomping at the bit because Oscar Shibway 22 and 18 Drew Timmy 22 and 13 Dane Danger what a what best name in college basketball right now, by the way. Mm-hmm. He went for 20 and seven. And it was clear that Zach Eady was going to have a phenomenal game. And he really should have had 30 points in the first half. There, there was there is no answer for someone that massive of, of his size. Uh I, I'm not surprised at all, man. The Big Ten, this is my first time really getting a chance to study this league. There's so much parody in this league. Oh my goodness. It's so confusing to me. 
Um, I thought I thought that uh, Michigan State played a fantastic game after going over over from the three point line uh, against against Illinois. Uh, good to see that they could uh, knock some three pointers down. You, you have to be able to shoot three ball at least knock five down if you want to win to stay competitive. Uh, but overall, man, Fletcher Lawyer, phenomenal. He, he he does not look like a freshman. He does not 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 one bit. And um, for them to come away with a grit win like this is a quad one victory for them to continue to fight for their case to be a number one seed going into the tournament. I can tell you there's a lot of Big Ten fans out there that are just terrified of the prospects of a Braden Smith Fletcher lawyer backcourt for the next four years. Uh, not not to say that they're necessarily both going to be there all four years, but I think there's a distinct possibility they could. And they are so good already. Matt, I want to ask you this because I've watched every Michigan State game this year and the way they've defended post threats in this conference has differed game to game. I mean, you have to go up against the best. You got to go up against Trace Jackson Davis, Hunter Dickinson. Now you see Zach Eady. Um, but as PY mentioned, like it's not necessarily just the national superstars that have had success on this front court that consists of Mati Sissoko, Jackson Kohler, and Carson Cooper. Those guys are just undersized, not guys that have ever really played big minute roles until this season, which Sissoko has blossomed into. But man, a lot of teams are having their way with them against Michigan a couple weeks ago. They doubled Hunter Dickinson in a variety of ways, really threw him off his game, were able to stay uh, to to close out on shooters and make other guys beat you. Their shooters miss shots. I expected to see that today against a Purdue team that's ranked in the 250s nationally from three-point percentage shooting. That's not what we saw in the first half. They dared Zach Eady to beat them, and uh, it ultimately did keep them in the game, but it felt like Edie left a lot of points out there. What did you make of that strategy to not double Edie early? Well, think about, too, the, the last possession of the game, right? They want to, they run a dribble handoff action in Purdue. Pre- the, the previous possession, you know, Tyson Walker, and, and this is a, a lesson for all point guards out there, right? Tyson Walker drives in the lane, and a lot of young point guards, a lot of point guards in college basketball would have forced something up at the basket. He drives in the lane and he keeps his dribble alive and he dribbles out. Instead of taking a bad shot, he gets himself a good shot. Then the very next possession, Purdue runs a dribble handoff. Trey Holman switches onto the ball handler and he doesn't affect the pass. He's kind of like his hands are down and the ball goes into the post. And I thought what Edie did, because you think in that situation with the game that he has up to that point, here comes the double. It's coming. They're not going to let him just – but Edie caught it, and his move was so quick. Yeah. There was no, there was no, there was no time to double. He just he caught it and he went. And I, I thought that was such an impressive play by Edie. I mean, thirty-two and seventeen. Yeah. Know, what like what a game! But that last possession, they knew where they wanted to go to. They run just a simple dribble handoff. They're setting a pin down on the opposite side of the floor to have some movement. But it was a very simple play. But Edie's move was so quick, there was no way anybody could double him and, and just a fantastic way to end that game. Yeah, he's clearly the National Player of the Year frontrunner for a reason right now. You saw that tonight, all the production and the big shot when it mattered most. The one other thing we should just mention, then we're going to move to a different game. No Malik Hall for Michigan State today. Uh, there were questions about his availability. He's in a walking boot right now. The rumors are that this could be a long-term injury. He has not necessarily been ruled out specifically for the end of the season yet. There is no verbal on what the injury is, uh, but did not see him today after injuring that in the Illinois game just a couple short days ago. Let's move to 
Illinois next, who is now on a four-game winning streak. They went on the road tonight to the barn, 18-point victory over Minnesota. Uh, and I don't want to go explicitly one-for-one one with this, but Tom Izzo did in the post-game press conference a couple days ago. Sky Clark left this team, and this team is 4-0 and since Sky Clark left this team. Is it that simple, Matt? I mean, sometimes in terms of your culture, sometimes. you got to fight for your culture. You've got to, you know, every single day, what are you doing to fight for your culture? And if you have to, if something or someone is removed from your team in order to make your team better and elevate your culture, that's what happens. And I'm not trying to take a knock on Sky Clark. I'm not doing that. Um, but since he's left, the, things have been elevated. And that just goes to show you that, you know, you, you've got to fight for that each and every day. I mean, Minnesota going three for 13 from three didn't help. Um, you know, you look at their four straight wins, Wisconsin at Nebraska, Michigan State at home at Minnesota. I think Taryn Shannon has been absolutely terrific. Um, and they've been through that adversity, right? I mean, they had a huge win, you know, in what was it, November versus Texas, and they were kind yeah. of feeling themselves. And then it was, man, that's when they kind of took that dip right after that game and, you know, made some changes and it's, it's helped their team and, and fighting for that culture every single day is the most important thing. It's not about your style of play. It's not what plays you're running. It's not how you're defending. You can play zone, you can press, you can do things a lot of different ways, but your locker room at the end of the day is the most important thing. And having a together connected team is the most important thing. And, you yeah. know, Looking what happened has happened, you know, recently with Illinois. I, I think you see that, and even the celebration. And I know, like, sometimes I feel like the locker room's sacred, right? You don't want to see, you know, even as a coach going in the locker room and celebrate with your guys. You don't want that on social media, but you see Coach Underwood and celebrating with his team after all the negativity around him and, you know, how he is and his press conferences and all those things. And to see him celebrate with his guys. Man, that, that that team's connected right now, and I think that that's why they're having success. Yeah, it also helps when you've got a guy like Matthew Meyer, who has gone for 19 points in back-to-back -back games. Uh, he was a guy who, when Illinois was struggling earlier in the season, usually he was struggling. And he was yeah. also one of the guys who was loud about their struggle, saying that he and the coaches didn't necessarily see eye-to-eye. -eye. Uh, Brad Underwood has talked in depth about he needed to make some dietary changes. He needed to get his body in shape. He gave him a ton of praise after the Michigan State game a couple of days ago. Uh, and it certainly looks like it's paying off, right, Pat? Well, that's that's the maturity. And uh, I mean, it's multifaceted uh, maturity of, of that young man being able to take on coaching, being able to accept that, hey, this isn't criticism. And I, I struggled with, with this for a while. And Coach McCall will, will tell you that. But this isn't saying you're bad, but it's saying you are in the way of you. And I can see the things that you can get out of the way. Hey, and I'm going to challenge you because you came here. I believe in you. You can help the team because the first eight games, uh, Matt was not very good. <laughs> he he was averaging like five points, 40%, maybe 40% from the field. I, I When I was on the other night, I talked about it. These last nine games, he's like 16 points per game, almost 50% from the field, over 40% from the three-point line. And he's competing. He's blocking so many shots. I had no idea he was – he's pretty much a shot blocker at, at this point. The, the, the competitive spirit, you, you can see that uh, whatever was done, whatever Coach Underwood did to lie a fire, fire under his belly, to challenge him, um, 
he's he's turned turned it on and become a completely different player. The player that they need. That this is the team now. I believe if they w- went back up against a Texas team, that they would win that game again. I was I was after their loss, the blowout loss to Missouri. I said, who is this? Who is this team? But now I, I'm I'm back to, to jumping on the bandwagon that Illinois is going to make a run. Yeah, they just got a lot of dudes. And I don't think anybody, even in the country, let alone the Big Ten, has questioned the talent level of this team. But uh, you heard Ben Johnson tonight and Tom Izzo before him after the last two games say they think this is the most talented team in the conference. When you have a guy in Terrence Shannon who's played for some great teams in college and is averaging 18 points a game this year, then you add Meyer and Danger, who come from a national championship team at Baylor. You add a guy in Coleman Hawkins who literally has a a triple-double this season. Like... Uh, there's a lot of talent on this team. The question to me with all the Illinois basketball I've watched this season is not how good can they be. It's how do they handle the dips because they're an emotionally inconsistent team to me. And when things are going well, they're one of the best teams in the country. When things aren't going well, they've really folded in on themselves until the last few weeks. I mean, a team given the sky Clark situation, they didn't really need much more than that to really make this a disaster. Instead, it seems the guys have really come together, played some of their best basketball. And uh, you got to give our guy, daddy, Brad, Brad Underwood, some credit for that as well. All right, coming up, we are going to move to some other notable games from the night. We've got Georgetown, Villanova and Syracuse, Miami to break down for you next on the field of 68 after dark. All right, I believe we are clear. Dagan, we got anything going on in the chat right now? Fellas, fellas, what is going on? Chat, obviously, drop some questions. We'll be answering throughout the show, um, so feel free to drop them in. We do have one from MK. We have a little more time with these breaks tonight, so you guys have a little more time to explain these picks. But if you had to give me four number one seeds right now, who are they? Oof. Who wants to take that? That's a scary one to take. I mean, I think it's pretty early. I mean, I think you have to go, obviously, Houston. Kansas, you know, up until Saturday, you would have put Tennessee in the mix. <laughs> um, I would, I would go Houston, Kansas, Purdue, Alabama, Alabama. Yes, sir. Yeah, I'm, those are same my exact four. lineup. Yep, those are my four. Wow. Alabama's so good. Gosh, do you guys trust yeah. Alabama over Tennessee? Like, if we're gonna kind of go one from each conference in this scenario, which feels fair to go the one seed thing like do you trust that alabama emerges over tennessee um pat here's what i think and you know this right i i think what happened the other day you know and and give kentucky credit right they went in there they fought they competed and they found a way to win the game but if i'm tennessee and i know how good we are what's the human nature element right no wheeler like i'm sitting over there i was like Ah, we'll be fine. Don't worry about it. We're going to be fine. They're they're without two of their starters. Don't worry about us. We'll be fine. And all of a sudden, you find yourself in a dogfight with the under four timeout, you know, and anything can happen. And that's – I feel like that happened. I, I, I don't – I just think Brandon Miller is that that dude in the SEC. I think he's that yeah. good. Um, so – I I'm a bigger fan of Alabama than Tennessee. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Tennessee's really good. I just think they fought human nature in that game, and and I think you got to give Kentucky credit. Well, I, I just look to Alabama, and I see they have such depth. Uh, Mark Sears has been great. Noah Clowney 
coming out coming out of nowhere, Jaden Bradley, um, these guys that have stepped up into Nate Oates' system and they look reminiscent of that 2021 team um, that was able to win the league. They same same style of play. They get the ball. They get a lot of shots up. They run. Uh, they rebound the ball really well with as many long long shots as they take. But um, I really feel confident about this Alabama team, especially how uh, they were able to finish and steal that win against Houston. Oh, my gosh. Right? Not say steal that win, but Brandon, Brandon Miller was 0 for 8 that game. Unbelievable. And he went and knocked down 8 out of 9 free throws. And I'm like, man, there's something different about this team. I just worry Tennessee, they go into scoring droughts. I, and I, I don't think matching yep. up against an explosive Alabama team, that, that's going to fly. So the one conference we didn't mention in this group here, and we've got 30 seconds till we come back, we didn't mention any Pac-12 teams. And I might argue, I know Arizona had their struggles this weekend, but I I might argue they have the best chance of any conference to have two chances at a potential national champ. Either one of you think that UCLA could work their way up, get a one seed? Yes, no? I I think yes. Don't count out Mick Cronin. Five, four. Yes or no? Why not? Yeah, yeah, I think they could. All right, here we go. We are back here on the field of 68 after dark. We've got Patrick Young. We've got Matt McCall. My name is Greg Waddell. We are brought to you by Bet Rivers. Jump on the field of 68 YouTube channel as well. If you want to hop in the comments, we'll be sticking around for 15 minutes after the show to do the field of 68 afters. Uh, we are live on Sirius XM channel 84, and we are so excited to be back live on Sirius XM channel 84. Let's jump into some other notable games from today. First, we had Georgetown and Villanova uh, in the earliest game of the day today on MLK Day. This was back and forth. I mean, this was a game Georgetown could have easily won, which doesn't happen too often in this <laughs> conference in the Big East these days. Uh, and Villanova, a team that really needed a win, I mean, could they have even afforded this loss at this point? Like at that point, it's kind of hang the hat on the season, right, Pat? Yeah, absolutely. Um, as difficult as as the season has been for Georgetown, you know, it's, it's a team that's going to continue to fight. Uh, you know, they love their coach. They love they hate the situation they're in. But uh, looking at, at Villanova, they're striving to find the, their identity. Um, you can't lose a game like this. It's a game that's not going to again. So it's a game that's not going to help you. But in the in terms of net ranking, it's going to destroy you. Um, good to see that there was some balance within uh, the scoring for Villanova. Five guys hitting double figures. Uh, Cam Whitmore, he's a stud. Uh, I, I he, he I thought he was going to be enough for them to kind of uh, turn the season around and make a run. But I, I just I just can't see it. I think it's going to take some time um, for this Villanova team to uh, first off find their identity and get the right guys in that can fill that. Matt, this has been a debate that a bunch of circles I'm in, like group texts, have had all separately without knowing each other have had them. It's wild to me, but I'm I'm very excited to get your answer to this. Should this <laughs> Villanova team be better than they are? Like, I mean, right now they're nine and ten on the season. Obviously, you lose Jay Wright. I think it's pretty fair to point at the roster and identify some obvious flaws. But at the same time, there's enough talent here to at least have a winning record right now, right? You lose Jay Wright, which is, you know, I, I think, you know, Kyle Neptune and anyone that takes over for a Hall of Famer that built, like, I even look at Mike White, what he did at the University of Florida. And I'm not just saying that because Pat's on here and, and me and him are, are Gator alums, but that is a difficult task. That is a difficult task. 
to walk into a program and take over for a living legend. John Shire. John, John Shire is in a difficult task right now. That's not an easy thing to do. And you've got to give a young coach, and Kyle Neptune's a young head coach. He's been a head coach for one year. you got to give him some time to grow, to develop, to figure out who he can coach. I was with Matt Painter this summer, and he was talking about that a little bit just in his early days at Purdue. And, hey, I, I don't need to go after the McDonald's All-Americans and you know, the top 10 players in the country. I, I I do better coaching this type of player, whatever it may be. And, you know, I think for Kyle Nepton, you just got to give him time to develop. It's his second year as a head coach, you know. But you look at the stat today, and to me, the biggest stat that stands out in that game is the rebounding margin. Because Villanova shot 50% from the three-point line. But they got out-rebounded by 12. That's effort, yeah. right? That, that, that that's, that's effort. There's no skill involved in that. That's all effort. So... Where is their effort right now? But I, I think it's not an easy situation for these guys when they're taking over legends, Hall of Famers, yeah. Naismith Hall of Famers, and they're walking in there, and there's an expectation that they're just – it's supposed to just keep rolling and keep doing everything that they've done the last, you know, 19 years or whatever it may be, and that's hard. And especially for a young head coach. You know, John Shire's in his first year. Kyle Nepton's in his second year as a head coach. Second. So – Give him some time. Give him some time to develop. Give him some time to grow. We know he's going to recruit at a high level. And he's a really good coach. What he did last year at Fordham, he got excitement back for Fordham basketball. And used to be able to just go to Fordham and, hey, like everyone was like, oh, well, check that off as a win, whatever. And, and that wasn't the case. He's a good coach. But he's in a completely different situation now at yeah. Villanova, walking into what he walked into, taking over for Jay Wright. That's a difficult task and i think yeah. you just got to give coach neptune time to, to to grow and develop yeah yeah he's not and the only uh he's not the only quote-unquote blue blood can we call villanova blue blood school maybe yeah. i don't know they're, they're fringe there right so. absolutely fringe. He, i think so yes he's not the only new coach in recent years at a blue blood school to have some ups and downs yeah. or some struggles in year one year two so i wouldn't write them five, off five, five or six of these losses they had were by less than five points so that you know we're, we're yeah. they're right there in the mix yeah that's a great point pat um yeah, to me, my only takeaway from watching this Villanova team is just that it feels like their first and second options on a good team might be third and fourth type options. And I think Whitmore's the one like, okay, he's an NBA talent. Maybe he can be the the 1A guy, the alpha, right? But you look, Caleb Daniels, Eric Dixon, as productive as they've been in certain games this year, you feel great about your team if that's your your third, fourth, or fourth, fifth guy. And if they have to be one and two on any given night offensively, I think that can open the door for some inconsistencies. Um, but yeah, you got to give them time. And one thing I will say, uh, Kyle Neptune, if I was making a list of coaches who look best in a suit this year, he's probably one A, one B right now. You're, I mean, that you're, man, you're a big fan of the oh, Stackhouse. I'm just saying, my oh, man looks good house. in a suit. Okay, oh, you like that. Greg, Greg, you, know, always, like, you, you like the mock turtleneck he wears? You like that, I love the mock uh, first turtleneck. First of all, I'm, I'm a turtleneck guy, okay? I, I didn't mean to get into the weeds on that, but I'm a turtleneck guy. But Stack, oh, he gets a little sweaty, okay? He ends up, you know, getting on the core, getting teed up. He's got sweat dripping everywhere. Hey, you never hey, see that. Fired his that. team up. Fired his team up. They had a good game. The, Come on, the, big win. Sean, Sean big Miller, Bruce Pearl, all. talking about sweaty. <laughs> Sean Miller, Bruce Pearl, and uh, what's our guy, uh, Buzz Williams. That's... Yeah, I mean you're you're dead <laughs> those on. Guys. Those those guys do not deserve a list on my 
drippiest coaches on the sidelines. Okay. Let's that's drip in a different way, Pat, you know, all about that. Let's move on to, uh, we got Syracuse against Miami tonight in the ACC. And, uh, I really thought Miami was going to pull away in this one relatively easily. They're a top 15 offense in the country facing a, a not top a hundred defense. The Syracuse zone is not looking like it had in the heyday of the Jim Beheim era. And then all of a sudden Isaiah Wong tonight goes one for eight from the floor. And Miami's down 10 with 14 minutes left in this game. Matt, what'd you see in this one? Well, what do good teams do? What do championship teams do? Even when it's not going well, they find a way to win. And that's what Miami did tonight. And, uh, you know, to think that they can't win the S or ACC this year, I think they're going to be right there. Um, and they found a way to win tonight, even with Wong not playing his best. And he has been outstanding yeah. throughout the course of this year. Um, and they just found a way to win. It was almost kind of like one of those things like, okay, like into this game. All right, now it's time. Let's crank it up. Let's turn it on and let's find a way to win this basketball game. And that's what they did. And you want to talk about how to win a championship. You're going to have those nights where it's not going well. You're not playing your best. Pat remembers this in 2014, you know, Auburn was at the bottom of our league and we played them twice and two of our most challenging games on the year they were both came down to the wire and they were at the bottom of the sec and here's a team that went 21 and 0 in the sec so um i i just think you know if wong plays if he makes three more shots the game's not even in question um he's been so good all year and they just found a way to win the game and to me that that's just the most impressive thing and uh i think that's why they're at the top of the acc we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Coach McCall, I want to get some some coach speak from you um, for the fans here. What okay. makes what makes a 2-3 zone effective and why do you think this Syracuse team hasn't been able to fulfill? You know, T.O. T.O. thinks that this Syracuse team is going to be a tournament team. They have been as of late looking pretty good. But what makes uh, the 2-3 zone so much more effective? Uh, and why would a coach decide to, to, to run that? Size and length. Size and length at every single position. You can get away with, you know, having a, a smaller point guard in the zone. But if you don't have... You know, if your two guy or your two man's not, you know, six five with a seven foot wingspan and your small forward's not six eight, and then you have, you know, six nine, six ten on the back line, you know, what what's the best way to attack a zone? Get the ball to the middle of it. Middle, middle. And how yep. do you prevent the ball from getting to the middle of the zone is size and length. 
right? And I, I think that's the biggest challenge. Um, and two, I, I think even if you look at, at Jim Beheim's, you know, tenure at Syracuse, and again, not trying to criticize him, he's a Naismith Hall of Famer. He's won a lot more basketball games than I have as a head coach. But, you know, teams are now more prepared to play against it. There's right. more offenses. There's more ways to execute it. You can run ball screens. You can run quick hitters. You can run post-up actions. You can do different things to get the ball to the middle of the zone. And, you know, I, I think teams are more prepared to play against it, and I think that that's why they have more success against it. That's a great point. We, uh, I think we might need to do a quick little mental health check on our guy T.O., though. Syracuse tournament team. That's what he – hey, he believes it. Don't they got to beat somebody, though? They got G- one top G- – G-Mac is my guy. I love G-Mac, but I, I – ooh, ooh, I don't know. But you know uh, what? I was wrong about the ACC early, earlier. There's opportunities there for for wins to, to, to build that resume. The opportunities are there. I just don't know if it's, if it's actually a reality. You're 100% right. The problem for Syracuse is that tonight was their opportunity. You're up 10 yeah. against Miami – and you don't win that game on a night where their best player goes one for eight from the floor. That's that's one you're going to look back. At. I could be wrong. We'll see. Maybe they turn it on. Maybe they beat some of the best teams. But uh, this was one they definitely let slip. And for the record, for Miami, I love this team. The key to me for them going from really good to like, oh, crap, they're a national contender good, is that they need Nigel Pack to be the Nigel Pack they thought they were paying for this offseason. <laughs> and listen, tonight, five for nine well, from three. I mean – that's that's the pack that you saw last year. That's the pack that everybody in Miami signed up for. Hasn't been the pack they've gotten this season. So uh, I'll keep my eye on that. If they can go into a little Batman and Robin with Wong and Pack, I really like the ceiling of this team. We saw Miami make a run in the tournament last year. Uh, there's no reason they could not do that again. All right, coming up on the field of 68 after dark, we're going to go take a look at the national scene. I've got a handful of teams that I'm going to fire at Pat and Mike or Matt here. I'm sorry, Matt. I just called you Mike wow. McCall. Mike. We're, we're going to fire some teams <laughs> at these guys. Rapid fire style. And they're going to tell me if they are contenders or frauds next on the field of 68 after dark. Clear for three minutes. Listen, I called producer Dagan Hughes, Dagan Hayes a couple weeks ago. <laughs> so we're I'm gonna just going to figure out the, the, uh, the pronunciation. Guy. We're going to get you a guide or something. I'm Listen, the one who needs. I, the- I, it's probably I, because I, you said Mike White. I had, Cause, cause I, had just- I had Richmond St. Bonavich for this weekend, and I spent probably an hour prior to the game trying to get uh, Richmond's Gustafson's name right before I said it wrong. There you go. There you go. All it takes though is one time to say it wrong, and then it's that's it. Yeah, everybody, yeah. Um, yeah. I got a question for you guys though, and it's about the ACC. So let's let's jump into it. Kevin Lucas, who's the best guard in the ACC? Ooh. It's Wong, isn't it? It has to be. Yeah. Up until tonight. I mean, he 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 had a bad game, but man, he has been he's been outstanding. I mean, and and his team is at the top of the standings. I mean, I, I you know, he's getting what 17 a game um and five the rebounds at the guard spot. I I mean, I just think it's hard to it's hard to pick against him. Who are the other options even? Like are you uh, looking at you like got, Caleb? You got Tyree Appleby. Ooh. Of course. Okay. Yeah. Former right? Gator. Yeah. I know, right? Man. He looks good. Whew. He's been great. He's but, been great. But, we'll but Pat, I, I think too, like that's a that's a credit to Coach Forbes. 
Yes. Right. Like he, he takes transfers and gives them the freedom and gives them confidence and a, and a, and a player that's as talented as Appleby, he flourishes in coach Forbes' system. I mean, I, I, I think, I think Appleby's terrific, but I think that's also a credit to Forbes because guys go and play for him and they just flourish, flourish. Saw it at ETSU when I was at Chattanooga with the, with the guys that he brought in and, yeah, I agree with you, man. Appleby's got to be in the conversation. He's he's right there. I mean, he's leading Wake Forest. They're right there in the mix at five and two, 13 and five, right behind uh, Virginia. Terquavian and he's he's, aver- he's got really good as well. From yeah, Turk. Turk's been great. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I mean, I I threw out Caleb Love and R.J. Davis. I don't think they've been close to their A game this year. But man, when you, when you get to what's March, been up with that? Ugh. I don't know, man. Don't we think like Caleb? He gets him up, that's for sure. Caleb Love, I think he he's finally starting to not get him up as much. He was, I was like, bro, you got four other guys that can get buckets too. Do we think like they just flip a switch come tournament time though, Pat? Like thirty, is that a thing teams can do? Yeah, it's a thing. It's a thing teams can do. Look at UConn from twenty ten. They weren't they weren't a tournament team, and they just flipped the switch won the Big East, and then went on to not lose again the rest of the season. 15. They have the pieces. They did it last year, so it can't happen. Yeah. Just can't I mean, wait till, you can't wait till it's too late. We saw it last year. I don't know. I just – I hate watching Five, regular season four, North Carolina so three, much. Two. It's crazy. One. We're back. It's the field of 68 after dark and the music is back. God, I love the music. I've missed Great it song. so much. Uh, we're on Sirius XM channel 84. You can watch us on the field of 68 YouTube channel as well. We've got Matt McCall, Patrick Young, Greg Waddell. I didn't flub anyone's names there. I'm feeling fantastic about it. <laughs> we're playing by sell, boys. Okay. We got a lot of teams nationally this weekend that Surprising results came in for, okay? I've made a list. I jotted down my notes. I checked it twice. These are the teams I want to talk about, and we'll go one by one. And I want you to tell me, given where they're at right now, are you buying or selling them as contenders when we get to NCAA tournament time? Let's start with the biggest surprise win of the weekend. That would be Kentucky. No severe wheeler, no problem. This team has had a lot of downs this season, a lot of issues. Uh, The fan base frustrated, to say the least, with John Calipari. Are you buying or selling Kentucky at the national level? McCall, we're going to you first. First of all, I mean, John Calipari is in the Naismith Hall of Fame. Okay. And I know BBN can be a lot to handle. And I know that they can get frustrated. And I've always said Kentucky is kind of a – Shark Tank top job, right? I mean, you know, Tubby Smith won a national championship and they weren't happy with him at the end of his tenure. But I think Cal is secure enough in himself as a coach where I don't really know that he cares so much about the noise. And I think that there's, he kind of just blocks it out and he's secure in himself as a coach and knows that he's been to six final fours and it's got a gazillion wins and all these things. Now, with all that being said, I think there was a little bit of a human nature element in terms of Tennessee and, Oh, Wheeler's not playing. We're going to be fine. We're going to be just fine. And 
probably didn't approach the game like they should have. And that's not a knock on Rick Barnes. That's just, hey, listen, we're going to be fine. And that's just, you know, young players thinking they've got it all figured out. They're on a win streak, top five in the country. Kentucky just lost to South Carolina. They're without their starting point guard. We're going to be okay. Uh, so am I buying Kentucky right now? No, I'm not buying them. Uh, I still still think they've got a lot of work left to do. Um, you know, I think that South Carolina loss really hurt them in terms of, you know, NCAA tournament. I think if all of a sudden they turn around and, you know, I, I don't know, is Alabama on their schedule again? I, I didn't look at their schedule today. I don't know if they're on their schedule. If they get them back um, in the Rupp Arena. Um, but, like, what's that, another no. quality? No, they don't, right? So – They've already played Alabama. I know they'll get Tennessee back in Rupp Arena, so they go 2-0 and against Tennessee. You know, that's another quality win. But even going into that game, they didn't have very many quality victories, and I think their best win going into that game was Michigan. So I think they got work left to do. I think I said it a couple weeks ago with about them. I think it was a great win. Credit to Cal for, you know, his team and how focused they were and to be able to go into that type of environment. And and Pat can attest to that. It's yeah. not easy to win. No. I thought, you know, Kentucky and Tennessee are probably the two toughest places to play in the SEC. And for them to go in there under those circumstances and win, unbelievable job. Uh, but I think, too, with, with all that being said, I think Tennessee fought that human nature, you know, hey, listen, we're going to be just fine. We're on a win streak. Don't worry about it. They're not very good. They just lost to the worst team in the league and will be fine. And, hey, man, Kentucky came out and fought, and their back's against the wall, and they responded. Matt, your tone when you said Michigan hurt my soul, just for the record. Those are my boys. And when you say hey, Michigan, that uh, hurt reminder. my soul a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Uh, <laughs> the other thing, just schedule-wise, uh, they, they may not have a ton of great – top tier opportunities they got they kansas get, what do you mean get, well i'm gonna say they get kansas at they get kansas. right they get kansas pat are you buying or selling the wildcats i'll tell you i, I am buying and Ooh. reason being tennessee had every opportunity to win that game i'm not sure if you saw how many bunnies they missed i'm talking open layups they missed at least six or seven open layups like that would have Easily shifted momentum, kept things in in their favor. Case uh, and Wallace had a goose egg. He didn't score in this game, and he is one of the best shooters for uh, this Kentucky team. He's been shooting shooting the ball at a high clip. He's the, he's a the, their best defender. Um, I love Severe Wheeler, but I just have a difficult place with a team like Kentucky um, having a point guard that can't shoot it shoot it well mm. well enough consistently. Um, you know, I played I played with Irving Walker. I played with Kenny Boy and they could stretch uh, Scotty Wilbekin. All three of those guys could stretch the floor. You cannot go under on them. You no one would would dare leave one of those guys wide open in the scouting report. And yet that's oftentimes what happens because um, you know, even though Oscar is down there and he's he's often able to grab a lot of long rebounds, he can't do it the entire game. Uh, I think this Kentucky team shoots better than anyone that's 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 uh that Coach Callis had in these last few years, C.J. Frederick and Antonio Reeves, they lit it up. Um, they have a great opportunity in front of them. I think Coach Callis done a great job of helping these guys once they face adversity uh, to to respond. I mean, it doesn't get worse than losing at home to South Carolina. Uh, and I, I'm just I'm just really curious to see are they going to be able to continue to build this momentum because before the season was Kentucky was like a top ten team. 
And we were talking about their talent and the capability and the potential we saw. So there's no reason I don't think that that they can get to the tournament and definitely make it out of the first weekend as compared to last year. But Pat, too, like to your point in terms of like going under on ball screens, like that's putting Shigwe in a difficult spot. Because what happens when teams go under? You're going to end up flipping the screen or twisting the screen, right? So for him to run out there, and this is where you were really, really good, you could flip that pick and roll at the end. Like right when you got up there, you could flip your feet yep. and and turn it to where Scotty could come off going to his right hand instead of his left hand. And that's – but with Wheeler, it's – if he goes right, like even look at like the plays at the end of the South Carolina game, when they when they forced him to his right hand, it was a turnover. Turnover. It was a he, turnover. He, he can't he go. Struggles I don't... <laughs> going to his right. So if you're going to go under, yeah. he's not going to pull up behind the ball screen. And then all of a sudden, you know, teams call it weak or whatever you want to do in the middle of the floor, and you force him to his right hand. He struggles going that way as well. So, yeah. um, listen, he's a terrific player. He's talented. He can finish yeah. when he gets in the lane. He can set his teammates up. But you know, scouting reports. I mean, now that we're getting later in the year, like teams, yeah. teams know his strengths. Teams know his weaknesses, and. You know, it's only going to get more difficult for him once he gets back in the lineup. He's a one-man press breaker. I love that about him. He is a one-man press breaker. No That's question. True. Don't necessarily teach that. Uh, I I would always buy into Severe a little more if there was just more shooting around him. But, you know, there's a lot of lineup gurus out there that uh, have pointed to maybe let's get Reeves some more shots. Maybe let's get Frederick some more shots. And out of necessity in this game with Case in, in foul trouble and with no Severe Wheeler, those guys did have to get shots. They combined for, I believe, 22 shots in this game. They didn't necessarily shoot the ball great, but I don't know that that's a coincidence that uh, they were able to grind out a win there. All right, we're uh, we're going to go to break in a few minutes here. We still have a few more minutes in the segment, so we're going total speed round, though, because I have four more teams I want answers from you guys on. Give me one to two sentences each on why you're buying or selling this group. First up, UConn. I mean, this team has fallen totally Man. off the wagon in the last few weeks. You buying or selling, Pat? I'm still going to buy them. Um, I think every great team at some point is going to face something like this. And that that loss, that home loss is to St. John's. Um, it's going to be a reality slap in the face for them to, to get back. Because, I mean, they were playing some of the best basketball I've seen all year. And I think it, it won't be hard for them to get back to that. Matt? Yeah, I'm buying. I mean, Coach Hurley has their attention now. Um, you know, like, like Pat said, the home loss to St. John's, it obviously stings. Um, but they have some some winnable games coming up here. They go to Seton Hall next, uh, and then they've got Butler at home and Xavier back-to-back, and then go to DePaul. So uh, I'm still buying. I think they're one of the best teams in the country. I just think they've hit a little bit of a wall. They had very little adversity in the beginning of the season, and uh, they've hit some now, but I'm, I'm, I'm buying UConn. Yeah, they went all in on the adversity thing. We haven't had enough. <laughs> Let's yeah. get it. Yeah. I, uh, I'm buying this team in the tournament aka the NCAA tournament, I am selling this team as a Big East contender. You're four oh, games Rob, Rob's not going to be happy with you tonight. Rob's That's not fine. Be happy I'll, with I'll, I'll That's deal funny. with the voicemails from Rob. They're four games back from Xavier in this conference. Like, come on, that's that's put a fork in them. They're done. They're not coming back to compete for a championship this season in this conference, which is a shame because I think they're the best team in it, but the damage is done. All right, next on my list quickly, Arizona. Uh, again, team, I call them the best team in the country early in the season after Maui doesn't look that way right now. I mean, they are really struggling in the pack 12, Matt, you buying or selling? I'm buying, I, I, you know, again, kind of similar to UConn. I think that 
they've hit some adversity here. Uh, you know, you look at the other teams in the league, you know, I think UCLA, we talked about them a little bit off air in terms of where they're at and could they make a run to the final four? I think USC has shown some signs, but outside of those teams in the league, I, I think Arizona will be just fine. Uh, so I'm buying. Pat? Uh, man, I just, my, my faith in Pac, in, in the Pac, Pac-12 is just not very high, so I'm just going to have to sell. <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to count, count on an Arizona run in the tournament. I can th- I think they can still win the, win the conference, but I don't think they're going to make a run. This hurts my heart to say it, but I'm with Pat on this. This is my favorite team to watch in college basketball this season. I don't trust them enough defensively. I don't think they want to guard at all. I think they want to just go out there and outscore teams. And uh, I think they're good enough to do that, but not six straight games in that tournament. Tubelas is fun to watch, though. Gosh, I like watching him play basketball. Yeah, man, he's very good. Uh, Also, poster of the year, Nafali Dante, uh, just hanging one on Kirk Creasa, by the way. And then he hit the podium after to let him know about it. He didn't really like Kirk Creasa too much. Go watch that (laughs) clip if you want to see something spicy. (laughs) Two more here. We'll go to Duke. Uh, this team is not looking like an ACC contender right now. John Shire's first year, they've got talent, but some of their talent isn't what I think people expected from these young freshmen, particularly with Derek Lively. Pat, you buying or selling? Selling. I, I, I think they make it out of the first weekend. I, I can see Duke making it to making it out of the first weekend, maybe, you know, getting a first round win. I love Kyle Filipowski. Filipowski. He's yeah. awesome. He's a stud. I just haven't seen the level of consistency, that grind, that grit from this Duke team um, enough for me to believe that they're a contender to win a national championship. I, I don't I don't see it. Matt. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm selling. Um, I think John Shire walked into a nearly impossible situation. Um, and I think he's a first year head coach and I don't care how much experience you have as a player, as an assistant coach, you slide over one seat. As, and becoming a head coach, and not only is he becoming a head coach, but he's taking over for, you know, a lot of people call the greatest college basketball coach of all time. I'm a little biased in terms of our guy, me and Pat, um, but it's hard to argue uh, in terms of Coach K, and I just think it's it's a difficult thing. You And, again, like we talked about with Kyle Neptune, you got to let him grow and develop a little bit. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm selling on the Dukies right now. I'm with you. That's three for three. We'll sell this roster. I just I think they're one to two pieces short as far as guys they can trust right now. Like they got a lot of talent uh, that you any given night, you wouldn't be shocked if one of their top seven goes off for 20. They don't have enough guys that are doing what they need every single night right now. And that comes with you. That comes with an experience at this level. And they have that both with the players and the coach right now. Uh, more to figure out. Final team on my list, Arkansas. They need Nick Smith oh, back. Pretty they, need cool. him oh, back. they need him back. They need him back. Are they going to get him uh, back? Or, we don't know. Are you buying or selling, Matt? What do you think? I think if they can get him back, I'm buying. Yeah, I, I'm buying. Same. I, I am buying. Right now, I got to sell. Um, not a great performance over the weekend. Um, even though Jerry Stackhouse, as Pat called him, is the best-dressed guy in college basketball. Um but yeah, I think you got to sell until they get him back. If he's back in the lineup, then I'm 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 a thousand percent buying. Yeah. Um. But we don't we don't have the information. We don't really know, right? Um. So I think right now you got to sell. But if he's back in there, I'm buying. I, I'm not sure if I buy the, even with him back enough to be a contender to, to to be an elite eight team again. 
because Trevin Brazil, man, he was awesome. He he was unbelievable. He 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 was unbelievable. He was the best three point shooter because I mean, big guy. He's getting really good looks, protecting the rim. Um, he showed those those spurts of himself at Missouri. But yeah, with Nick Smith Jr., they're definitely a better team. Um, without you know Ricky Council is great. Devo Davis is so up and down. Jordan Walsh hasn't been the guy um, that I thought he would be yet. I think he's still just trying to figure things out. But uh, yeah, Arkansas they just struggle. They they really struggle to score. They really struggle to put the ball in the basket. Yeah, maybe uh, I don't know. Maybe we talked about this in the Illinois segment briefly. Maybe just a definitive answer on Nick Smith. Either right. I'm in or I'm yeah, out. man. Seriously, yeah. yeah. Like yeah. I don't care which answer it is. I'll buy if one of those answers comes to fruition. If it's just like a will he won't he thing all season, then I'm out on them as well. All right, we're gonna preview the Big Twelve. It's a big Tuesday in the Big Twelve. We've got our own Doster and Goodman live from Manhattan for Kansas State, Kansas tomorrow. That's coming up next on the Field of Sixty Eight After Dark. Tomorrow. Three and a half, clear. All right, what we got in the chat, Dagan? Talk awesome. to me. Well, first of all, I got to clar- clarify something for the chat. We know that we can hear the series producer, and we know that you guys can hear the series producer. So you guys can stop in the chat with all that. Um, but my question is, this isn't really a question, but I see the chat talking about Marquette. Um, is is Mar- is Marquette the best team in the Big East? Are they the favorites to win, win the Ooh. league this year? Man, Xavier is Xavier, awesome. Man. Z- Xavier. They are good. X Marquette's great too. And Shaka was a Gator as well. He actually recruited me to come uh, to Florida um, and watching them play basketball. They look, they look like a team that just hoops, but Suli boom, Colby Jones, those guys, that backcourt has been, they've been awesome. Um, They've been unmatched and just play playing at such a high level. I I, I did, I did not foresee Xavier playing this well uh, and having the the seven and oh, uh, lead and start with that they are right now. Um, I think who's who's right behind them. They got Providence one game back right now. Providence one game back. Yeah, and then Marquette with two losses. Creighton, UConn, three and four losses. What a good league. Yeah, basketball league for sure. That's, that's, Sule that's Boom, man, though, like not enough people are talking about Sule Boom. He's just he's probably one good. of the best transfers. One of the 100%. best transfers out there. Hundred percent. He's fun too, man. Like, what's he at? Seventeen. Five and four, I think, on the year. Stupid, stupid good. Dagan, what else we got? Yeah. We, talk, we talked about them earlier, so we'll, we'll go back to it. How far can Illinois go in the tournament this season? Ooh, I mean, I, I again, based on matchups, right? Like the NCAA tournament, a lot of time it comes down to matchups. The best team doesn't always win. The most talented team doesn't always win. Um, but looking at how they've responded – you know, battling through the adversity. I, I mean, I I think they're a second weekend team in the tournament. And then once you get there, once you get to the second weekend, and anything Pat will tell goes. you this, anything can happen. Man. Anything can happen. Once you get to that second weekend, anything can happen. So I think they're a second weekend team. And, you know, uh, I think once you get there, we'll, we'll see what the matchup looks like. Here's my question for you, Matt. How much does previous success or lack of success in that tournament setting hang over a program because this is not the the first year that Illinois has had a team worthy of getting to the second weekend they've never gotten to the second weekend we're going 20 well, I, years I, back. I, I think the problem wow. is when everyone in the organization starts to 
bleed into what the media is saying. Yep. About previous success or, hey, Florida's been to the Elite Eight three straight years. Can they get over the hump and get to a Final Four or whatever it may be? Is Are people, you know, listening to that? Um, Media's going to create some type of narrative that just you can't let that stuff get in. And you can't let it get into your locker room. I mean, that would be the biggest thing. So how mature is this Illinois team? I think that's that's the biggest thing to where they can block that out. And the same thing like with Kentucky, right? Like, well, they lose to St. Peter's last year. They haven't won a tournament game in three years, whatever it may be. 15. Can those guys block it out and stay focused when it becomes in between the lines and go play? Yeah, that's the one thing that would scare me as an Illini fan. If maturity Five, is what my four, season hinges on three, from this group, it's two, been a roller coaster, man. One. You're up. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the final segment of the Field of 68 After Dark, presented by Bet Rivers. We're live on Sirius Channel 84. We got Pat Young. We got Matt McCall. My name is Greg Waddell, and let's preview some big games that are coming on Tuesday, aka tomorrow, in the Big 12. We'll start with Kansas, Kansas State. I mean, this is a game. Kansas State's been preparing for weeks. If you've seen any of this stuff on Twitter, uh, I mean, they have been preparing for a potential court storm. How are they going to protect Bill Self getting him off the court in <laughs> the event that Kansas State wins? This feels like a moment for this program. What Jerome Tang has done uh, in the, the short tenure at Kansas State has been nothing short of special. We will have Rob Doster, Jeff Goodman live from the arena tomorrow. So keep an eye out on that. But uh, Matt, I'll go to you here first. What are you looking for in this matchup that could swing this game? First of all, what, I mean, what a story in Keontae Johnson for yep. him to be out there and doing what he's doing. I mean, you have to have him in the running for big 12 player of the year. Um, I, you know, I, I know there's a lot of other really good players, you know, in, in, in the big 12. I know, I know he's got another one on his team and Marquise Noel, but man, what what a story! So I'll start there. But I almost feel like Kansas State is creating so much hype around this game, and Kansas is just kind of business as usual. Hey, this is what we do. We we we've been in this position, you know, before. We're we're in this position position essentially every single year. We line up and play. They're always the favorite. They've got the target on their back, and there's so much hype being created around this game. I like Kansas. I, I like Kansas going in there and just having a focus level. And I think what coach Tang has been able to do this year is, is unbelievable. He's doing a fantastic yeah. job, but when you start preparing for store, you know, for, for teams storm in the court and all those types of things for fans storm in the court is your focus where it needs to be. And I think Kansas's focus is going to be exactly where it needs to be. Uh, so I like Kansas in this one. Yeah. I I hear where you're coming from. Um, I, I would hate hate for that kind of poison and mindset to to because like you gotta play the game. Gotta play the game. You gotta go out there and play. You you gotta, gotta go out there the and do the job. And and any distraction from getting you uh anything that gets in the way of you doing your job. But I man, I, I really want to pull for Kansas State. Like to your point, Keontae Johnson and Marquise Snowell, they they've been one of the best backcourts uh, that I've seen when I remember thing last, the game before TCU, I just saw uh, Marquise. He was getting trapped. Shot clock was going down like three seconds left. He just throws a lob from like the wing to, to uh, Keontae. He just throws it down with such ease. And I'm like, are you kidding me? 
these guys are having such a great time out there. Uh, huge fan of Jerome Tang. I think, I think that I think it's going to be an amazing atmosphere, and Kansas State's going to be able to pull this off. I, I I really believe that. Yeah, I don't think there's been a better duo in the country over the last month than Johnson and Noel. Uh, with how much excitement will be there for this game. This is going to be my favorite game to watch of the year. I don't know where it's going to go. Kansas seems like they have nine lives right now, but either way, uh, it's going to be a game you have to see. Join us on the afters, by the way. This was the Field of 68 After Dark. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Clear. Beautiful. Gentlemen. Welcome to the afters. Welcome to the Field of 68 after show. We've so, got Matt McCall. We've got Pat Young. I'm Greg Waddell. Uh, if you've been joining us, if you've been rocking with us on the Field of 68 YouTube channel, this is just for you. We'll be here for about 15 more minutes to hit everything we didn't hit in the show, to answer any of your questions. Fire them away in the chat. I promise you we will get to them. A uh, couple things from our show we didn't get wow. to tonight, boys, that I just want to quickly go to. Two of them in the Big 12 quickly because there's other previews for tomorrow we can just spend a minute on here. Texas, Iowa State. Is Ooh. Iowa State for real? Because we like Ots is kind of doing some things down there, right? Ots is doing some things. Ots is doing yeah. some things. I, I think Iowa State's for real. I think it's also one of the best environments in the Big 12 to play in. Um, you know, obviously, Texas has gone through some adversity this year and credit that staff for how they've been able to keep that team together. Cause in a lot of situations in terms of that, you would see players. I don't think you necessarily you would see players leave in that situation, but you would see a team that's like disconnected or starts to divide. And that hasn't been the case. They've come together and that's why they're, you know, what are they seventh in the country right now? I, I mean, I, I give a lot of credit to Rodney Terry and the rest of that coaching staff for being able to keep that whole thing together. But that, you know, odds, Iowa State, that's going to be a fun one to watch tomorrow. The other subplot of this one, Tyrese Hunter back to Iowa State. I mean, the, the interconference transfer, he's been one of the best players for Texas this season. Uh, I mean, that's that's a scary proposition. I don't know if that's going to be the warmest welcome. What do you expect? So I want to ask Pat that. Like, Pat, can you imagine, like, and it's different for you because, like, you were, like, born and raised Jacksonville, born, you know, I'm not saying you're born a Gator, but, you know, but can you yeah. imagine leaving the University of Florida and, like, going to play at Georgia or Tennessee or Kentucky and coming back to the O'Connell or the exact tech arena, I guess it's called now, or, like, coming <laughs> back to the O'Connell Center? Like, can you imagine? No, I couldn't imagine that. <laughs> like, oh, man. That, that'd be so surreal. But, I mean, that's what guys deal with in the NBA, but it's different. You know, college it's sports is so, it's so different. No, I I could not imagine putting us. Not if it, it, it would not be Tennessee. If there was anybody else, <laughs> if there was if there was a program, I would have choose to somehow transfer to, and I had to, you know, gun to my head. Oh man, maybe 
Maybe yeah, LSU wasn't it wasn't any good. Who else was pretty good? <laughs> I'm a, Pat, I'm gonna stop you right now. You're I mean, Missouri break, break was good. Then. Missouri was good then. Um, they had, remember Flip Pressy? That was a oh yeah, team. yep, yep, yep. Um, Man, it's 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 rough out there. They have some of the craziest fans. <laughs> it is rough in those streets. Pat, you wouldn't consider Florida State. No, we don't do that. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, 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 no. We don't. I just no, want to no. know where where's the line you'll cross here. At this I'm point? trying to think with SEC if, if we're saying in the SEC. I did take an official visit to Georgia when uh um gosh can't remember his name Mark uh, like like no like the light skin coach light skin black Dennis, guy Dennis Felton Dennis Dennis Felton yep yep there you go yep God all right well, too far uh, away from home. Pat, if you uh, if you decide you want to share where you would transfer to, I don't know what, how much eligibility you have left, but uh, don't do in that the afters, fans. don't do you, that together. You fans. you can save that any point in the <laughs> afters. You break that out for us. Final Big Twelve game I'm excited for tomorrow: Baylor against Texas Tech. Uh, I don't know what Texas Tech's tournament likelihood is at this point. I can't imagine man. it's very good. Uh, and Baylor, another team, man, that could certainly beat anybody any given day, but have not been what we would have expected from this Baylor team going into the season. Uh, the line over at Bet Rivers on this game, by the way, because I am a gambling man, ladies and gentlemen, is Texas Tech <laughs> minus two and a half. Baylor, a really? road underdog in this spot, but I think Baylor's a much better team. Pat, you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, Texas Tech is coming off of five straight, and they've been they've been competitive. In these games, I don't think this Texas Tech team has uh, lived up to the, the hype thus far. But oh, Baylor has neither. They haven't been the defensive team that we've known Scott Drew's teams to to be. Um, they're they're missing they're missing a. Uh, I think the, the big guy that had the knee injury that he's he's trying so hard to get back. That was just a force uh, with Baylor. If they had him, gosh, the season would be completely different. But, you know, Chom- yeah. Yes, exactly. I, I'm I'm just all in on Baylor. Uh, to win this game and, and cover that. So if I was a betting man, I'd put something down in that direction. Pat, I knew I loved you, man. That's exactly what I needed to hear. Matt, are you in on that? I, I think, like, look at year two for a lot of head coaches that take over programs uh, is more difficult than year one. And I think that that's what you see with, with Mark Adams right now. I mean, he's in year two. I think it's it's a challenge. And sometimes in year one, that's not nearly as much adversity as you go through as there is in year two. It's just kind of how it is in the progression of your head coaching career. So um, I'm in on Baylor on this one. Uh, The game's in Lubbock, right? In Lubbock. Correct. It has to be in Lubbock. Okay. My my mom's from an hour from there. Um, So I know how rocking Texas Tech and Lubbock, Texas can be. Um, But I I just think Baylor's better. And, uh, you know, I think they'll go in there and get this win. All right, the bet will be placed as soon as the field of 68 afters ends here. Bet Rivers, bet Rivers, Rivers. bet Rivers. Yeah, we're going to head right to Bet Rivers and get that money down. Uh, The one other thing we missed from the show, uh, our outline that we wanted to get to tonight, couple mid-majors. I want to put this in question form, Greg, because I know we talked pre-show, so I'll put this in question form, especially for Matt McCall. Please. Yes, you're right. Please. Please. Which team has been more impressive this season? Florida Atlantic. Or Charleston, Florida Atlantic. Okay, and here's why: Charleston has a longer win streak right now. Their best win is Virginia Tech, which was in Charleston. Okay, FAU has one loss on the season. Dusty May's team has one loss. 
That loss was the third game in the year. They were at Ole Miss. And at that point in time, their leading scorer, Michael Forrest, did not play in the game. That's their only loss. They follow up that game. They go on the road and play Florida. He plays in that game. He has 20 points. He's four for six from three. I think their conference is better. They beat North Texas now twice, who a lot of people had winning Conference USA going into the season. FAU's already beat them twice. They get ranked, and they go on the road today and beat a talented Western Kentucky team. I, I don't I, I don't think it's close. I know Goodman's going to argue with me because he's on sabbatical in Charleston and he goes over there to Charleston's practices every single day. But I don't think it's close. I think you look at Florida Atlantic's resume and they have better wins. They play in a more difficult conference. And to me, it's not close. It's not close. So when Goodman goes to practice tomorrow, he can tell Coach Kelsey that and says, you know, hey, Matt McCall said this about FAU. He thinks you're better. But I don't. I think when you look at their resumes, I don't think it's close. And I think the only loss they have was without one of their best players. How about this stat, too? Their three leading scorers, you want to talk about culture? And everyone throws the term culture, culture, culture. Well, culture is only a byproduct of everyone being all in, doing each and every day. Their three leading scorers come off the bench. They're coming wow. off the bench. Elijah Martin could be player of the year in Conference USA, and he comes off the bench. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, the old, crazy. The, so the I'm not trying thing. to get on an FAU soapbox because they're 45 minutes south of me, even though it kind of feels like I'm on a soapbox. But I, I think when you put put their schedules up there, I, I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's close. I That's think awesome. FAU is a clearly better team, and if you line them up and play, I would love to go to that game. I'm picking FAU every night. Matt's wow. done the convincing for me when we unveil the uh, the fielding the 68 our bracketology show in a few short weeks. <laughs> Uh, I mean, you've just made the case both for Florida Atlantic and the case for Florida that that's not a horrible loss, Matt. Don't make don't think yeah, I missed yeah. that piece. No, uh, right. absolutely not. You know, the, uh, I, I, are, that, are, here's a question for Pat: Are they the? I mean, I don't know if you can put them ahead of Miami right now, but who's the best team in the state of Florida? It's not Florida State. <laughs> that's for sure. Uh, shoot, man. They're yeah, right Miami. There. Yeah, Miami Florida's been Florida, Florida's been playing pretty good as of late. They they've coach coach Golden figured out the rotation and gotten his guys uh, playing playing so much better small small ball and um, so I, I would love to see Florida in, in a Miami matchup. I just I don't know how they would slow down Isaiah Wong or Nigel Pack, but uh, yeah, the FAU is right there in the mix for right sure. We need a little Florida invitational, man. Can you guys put that together or something, please? <laughs> let's let's get this solved on the court. By the way, the only thing, Matt, that you uh or that I disagree with that you said on the Florida Atlantic segment here, uh, is that Goodman going to practices every day. Come on, that man's just eating banana no, pudding every day. Yeah, he's, he's that sounds great. There's, That's all he's doing. There's some bar he's at in Charleston right now, just having a nice IPA, and he's got his headphones in, making sure that we're handling things on the field. <laughs> uh, damn Skippy. That's correct. All right, Dagan, get in here. What what do we got in the chat right now? Uh, we got we got a lot going on. Uh, I'm going to try to go back and find some of these. Um, first one from Edward Roberts. Which top 20, we'll say top 20, team is going to exit after week one of the tournament? Oh, Mm. Let me pull up the top Obviously, 20. Obviously, we're not going to hold you to this just yet. Maybe down the road we will, but not right now. So 
you can change later. Let me, let me pull up the top 20. Yeah, where, we, gotta, we gotta all get there, don't we? First weekend exit. We can we exclude uh I mean Charleston's yeah, 18. Take Charles, take Charleston them? No, take them out. Okay. Take them out. Okay. Yeah, take them out. If, 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 if either one of you guys find one, just fire it off. Just yell it. What could what could um, what could I'm gonna say is? I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Clemson. Auburn. Oh, like you got that. Clemson. I got I got Auburn. Yeah, I'm, What's, I'm gonna, what is Clemson ranked right now? Nineteenth. Nineteenth. Wow. Nineteenth. Yeah, that's spicy. Um. I mean, I'm when's the last time? When's the last time Clemson was out of the first round of the NCAA tournament, or out of the first weekend? It's probably been a while. I'll uh, I'll go Virginia. Whoa, wow. whoa! Hot take. You know, I was thinking them for. I was thinking them as well. But I, I say Auburn because they didn't make it out last year, and they had Jabari and Walker, and they have a lot of the same pieces. And I don't think that they've really gotten that much better than last year. Yeah, I like that I one too. Yeah, I uh, I for Virginia for me, I kind of similar. I don't think they're that different than last year's team. I mean, it's experience is back. That's great. But last year's team missed the tournament. This year's team, I think it's been quietly pretty average for about a month now. And they started the year so great that people have kind of let it happen. So I don't know. I think they're a one win, not a two win team Uh, for Virginia. Maybe maybe over under a half. That's close for me. It's her half a win in the NCAA tournament, Virginia. I might take the under there. I like it. I like it. Uh, another one we got. I don't remember the name, but I remember the question. Uh, it was from Boiler Diehard. That's who, that's who it was from. So I'm sure you can know where we're going with this question, guys. Um, how do you – what's the – I guess this one's more geared towards Coach McCall, but what, what is the easiest way or the best way to stop Zach Eady this season? Ooh. Obviously, Patrick, you can answer this as well because, you know, you played the position, so. Right. I mean, I think a couple things. One come to mind is like, do you try to play zone? But like we talked about earlier, there's post up actions you can run for front court players versus zone. Right. I I think when he catches it, can you get there on the catch to double him? And that takes on the catch. That that takes defensive feel. If you want to double down with your foreman, he has to be able to see when that ball is in the air going to him, he has to be there on the catch to double him. I think that's the only thing you can do, especially sometimes with their lack of shooting on the perimeter, because as a front court player, when he sees it coming, what's the first thing he's going to do? He's going to skip it across the floor for threes. So I think you got to try to get there on the catch because once he catches it, it's over. And that's how they won the game. Right. He caught it and his post move to go score was so quick at his size tonight. I think the only way to do it is is to double him on the catch. I wouldn't I wouldn't be opposed to double off the passer. So if I'm guarding the passer, all of a sudden he dumps it in and I see him throw it. I'm going and then we're fully rotating. So whoever's closest next to the guy that dumps it in the post is automatically fully rotating. We're like pre-rotating just to be aggressive to make him do something else because 37 and 17, I mean, you got to try something different, right? I mean, you, you, you yeah. can't just let this guy continue to operate. Yeah. And, and trying to just play straight up, no matter how strong you are, his, his length um, and ability to have, he has such great touch from even like the second hash. You can't block that. It's unblockable. No. No. And I was uh, on, the, on the show last, last time I was on the show, 
you know, some, sometimes I like to go for the help side block or try to affect that. If you, if you, any chance of you going for a help side block, he's going to get the rebound 100% of the time. Uh, so that's, that's something that will be in the scouting report. Hey, don't, don't try to help, help the helper. Keep him you off know, the glass. You have to, because I mean, 17 rebounds. How many of those were offensive that he's able just to clean up? And, you know, you have, because after the center, the four, the three, the two, the one, none of those positions have a chance to block this guy out. Yeah. There are, I mean, this is way easier said than done, I think. And Matt, you tell me if I'm wrong, but there are guys you could totally leave to double off on this roster. Right? Yeah. Like, you've got to try it. You have to try it, right? I mean, you you can't, like Pat said, you can't just put your guys on an island versus this guy. And I think there's a couple different things you can do, like I talked about earlier, but, you know, who can you completely help off of, right? Like, hey, if I'm guarding a non-shooter, I'm always going to have one foot in the lane. And all of a sudden now I can see when the ball goes into the post that I'm the guy that's going, I, I you know. I just think you got to try something different. And because even the performance that he had tonight, I mean, he showed single-handedly what he can do and he can win basketball games on. I mean, that was, that was an Oscar Sheway performance from last year. Yeah, it was what, what, what he did tonight and uh, just so impressive. Yeah. Ethan Morton for the record plays 26 minutes a game. She was 25% from three. That's the guy I'd be looking to double off of as much as you can. If I'm Purdue, um, Dagan, what else we got? We got one from Michael Del Bianco. If I said that right. I think I said that last name right. I don't know. Well, Great name. I know. Uh, what is Xavier's ceiling in the tournament? Are you worried about their depth at all? I, I mean, I, I, I mean, they're in the second, first. I don't, what, what's the Big East in terms of basketball leagues right now? Like, where, where would the Big East rank? You know, Maybe number two. I, I mean, it's yeah, two. I mean, two or it's, three. It's, two yeah, or three. It's right there. I mean, I and up to this point in the season, we're you know, uh, you know, halfway through January, and they're in first place. I think the street ceiling is extremely high. Obviously, you've got to stay healthy, um, but I, I think the ceiling is really high for them. I, you know, I think Sean Miller is one of the best coaches in the league in the, in the country. Um, to you know get through the whole Arizona thing and he's back at Xavier he's you know sometimes that whole year off too it, it really helps coaches kind of find themselves and find perspective and things that went right things that went wrong and he talks a lot about that when you hear him in his press conferences or you hear him do interviews just about how important that year off was for him and I think he's a terrific coach and he's got his guys bought in right now. And that is a strong combination to make a run. Yeah. I think, I think they have depth. I do. I do think they have depth They're at least depth in the sense of guys having five guys in double figures, uh, having a big guy that can stretch the floor free mantle. I mean, that's, that's just such a, such a benefit um, for a guard heavy team a guy that can stretch the floor and open things up for, for those guys. Um, I mean, I think it's just a matter of time till they're eventually going to be a top five team um, at this rate that they're going. Uh, all they have to do is take care of themselves. And we're going to see that, that eight spot continue to go down to uh, in that top five. Yeah. I'll, I'll spell it out explicitly. I think the ceiling is a national title for this team. 
Wow. I, I, that's not saying I expect them to, but I mean, the strength of this Xavier team, which was a good team last year, was their front court. They brought their front court back, and now the strength is their back court. Like, are, are there five back courts in the country you would take over Colby Jones and Sule Boom right now? I wouldn't. And listen, I think guards win in March. I think front courts can help you win in March. And they've got uh, one of those two, either their back or their front court's going to have an advantage every single game they play. They're one of the most well-rounded teams in the country. Uh, and if it's a tie game late and the ball's in Sule Boom's hand, I feel fantastic about that. What else we got, Dagan? That is it from the chat. Woo! I'll let you guys finish it with your toast of the night, and then we'll uh, we'll get out of here. Oh, toast of the but night. I, do want to remind, I just do want to remind the chat. We're doing this every night from here on out. So make sure to tell your friends, family, get in the chat, ask us questions. So. Yeah, we appreciate you, chat. Chat mob, we're always watching. Uh, We appreciate you rocking with us. This was the first of the season live on SiriusXM, so we did have to work through a couple little clunky transitions here and there, a couple little little flubs on my end. That's my bad. I got to be a better point guard, but uh, we appreciate you rocking with us and continue to do so the rest of the season. We'll be here every single night on the field of 68 after dark. All right, toasts of the evening to end the evening. PY, let's go to you first. Who you got? I'm just going to cheat. Uh, I'm going with Zach Eady. Uh, I think he obviously was had a performance that was record breaking. Um, sorry, sorry, dogs or Spartans. Uh, really sorry that he had to come in there and just do his thing um, to you guys. But 32 points, 17 rebounds, uh, game winning basket for a Purdue team that is continuing to just have signs of being one of the best that they've ever had. Um, so. Hats off to, to Zach Eady, the unstoppable force, the big man of the year. Cheers. The big man of the year of the big, Pat. I, like, we we really all offseason gassed this up as the year of the big. Zach Eady was not the first, second, third, fourth name on the list. How crazy is that, looking back? He was in the picture. He was in the picture. He was in the picture, but he wasn't. <laughs> He's waving his hand in the background like, yeah. hi, forget about me. <laughs> Matt, who you got? What's your toast? I'm assuming since we came on the air tonight that Tom Brady did not have some remarkable comeback, right? Am I, am I am I correct about that? The Bucks you're, lost. You were correct. Okay. You were correct. All right, all right. Season so, is over. And 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 Pat is still celebrating the Jaguars' victory with his shirt on tonight. Okay, Trevor. It's Lawrence, always what, been the Jags. What what, what, a, what a comeback! Uh, so I was going to toast Tom Brady if there's somehow he made a comeback tonight. Uh, who knows if that's his last game? I'm saying no chance it's his last game. He'll be suiting up somewhere next year, but I'm going to go FAU. Got ranked in the top 25. Uh, a lot of teams would have taken their foot off the gas today. They go on the road and, and play a tough Western Kentucky team. So uh, hats off to to those kids and and the sacrifice that each one of them make. Elijah Martin, like I said, could win Conference USA Player of the Year, comes off the bench tonight and has 15-5, and five and just business as usual for them. So toast to them, their win streak, and here's to them. Cheers. FAU. All right, I got two toasts. I'm going to violate the rules here. One's, uh, one will be quick. I'm toasting to afternoon hoops. Okay, MLK Day like today. Yes. Obviously, yes, I like great that. reasoning for that. Yes. But come on, I mean, when I can flip on a Big East game at 12 right. p.m. Eastern time, great. I think I'm the happiest person on the planet. So let's find more ways to work that way into the the regular season here. And uh, I'm gonna go sentimental for for a final toast of the evening, boys. Uh, the coolest part of 
this job, anything I do in, in Field of 68 by far is meeting the people involved and meeting people like you two who live and breathe this game. Different levels, have coached, have played, all of that. Learning your stories, getting to know you, watching you do your thing, share the insight with the people. And uh, as a guy who has coached at a very small level in the sport of basketball for a few years, the number one thing I value is relationships with my players. To see the two of you get to reconnect on this show yeah. the way you Cheers did tonight. To I mean, that was a very special moment. And I hope the basketball fans Absolutely. out there like me got to appreciate you too. So cheers to Patrick Young and Matt McCall, man. That was appreciate awesome. Appreciate you, Greg. That's awesome. Still haven't played golf yet, but uh, no, we're yeah. going to get there, Pat. We're going to get there. <laughs> we're going to get there. <laughs> One day. Uh, hopefully, Matt will have a few less three putts, right? That's the oh goal. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> less three putts. Less three putts. That's the goal. All right. Shout out the chat mob again. We appreciate you. We'll be back tomorrow again, live on Sirius XM here on the Field of 68 After Dark.